and we can get started. Oh, there we go. We're we're recording. Yeah. I, I thought they will. Oh, we started. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. Someone, go ahead and like right off the bat, introduce Sorry, us. Sorry, meaning that will like the will dust on our skies. That we, I think it's kind of hard to will actually blame someone to it, but well, in this case, I think it's kind of obvious about this topic, about who to blame, to who to blame on the opium wars because well well this case is like kind of well weaponization of capitalism and also the capitalistic aspect of the imperialism and i think there's multiple factors which will i think 100 percent apply to especially uk and also france so if i were to blame someone i think i should blame uh uk first and then france but or is it something to blame? It's just, it's just like a trend where all the European countries had expansionism. Mm -hmm. It was quite natural for them to expand their territories and power. So this is like really their fault. But, uh, I mean, expansionism, yeah, that's a natural thing to happen. But the way they try to expand their territories, like in the first open war, the UK really brought, brought up to the end culminated the situation by like smuggling opiums even though china told them to stop it and that they didn't stop it right they kind of made the situation worse i mean but is it really something to blame because you can't ex really expect peace from the past because you don't you don't want them to like, go peacefully negotiate things of course they could because because be, be selfish of course. No, they sent they literally sent a letter to um elizabeth the queen but I think they got denied by it. Yeah, because China rejected everything first. There's a, there's a attitude that both both sides had against each other. The the uh, Manchus, the Qing dynasty, the Qing Chinese, had this kind of attitude of, well, um, British merchants are lesser. They're not important. They're not equals. So there's this kind of you are worse than us attitude that they had. But also... The British had the same attitude. This idea of you are only good for your silk and your tea, and you are taking all of our silver. Yeah. But you're not worthy of the silver. So there is a kind of attitude from both ends where they're not listening to each other. Right. Okay. They, they took a lot of silvers by just smuggling opiums from the Chinese merchants, right? That, well, that they, was they, a response. Yeah. Yeah, the imbalance which, which they will amazing will wants from the UK of well tea, just just made an imbalance between China and UK of in terms of well silver trading, and I heard that that those silvers are like from whole Europe, and they UK did not really had something to well sell to China, and those imbalance just happened, and those. Imbalance. Furthermore, they did not really had well balanced well conference to talk about those well events. I think that's the problem which happened or just which triggered. I think the open wars and yeah, the imbalance and, of the silvers in both countries and those well conversations. I mean, yeah. The in terms of the conversations, it was illegal for British merchants to learn Chinese. 
Mm-hmm. So when they were having their dealings, they weren't even allowed to speak the same language. Yeah. Did, right. It was illegal. That, that caused like some of the miscommunication during the like making conventions, right? Right. Yeah. Which led to unfair treaties. Didn't. Yeah. Yeah. The the silver misbalance that that someone was talking about was that uh, the British Empire was buying porcelain, silk, and tea from China. But the problem was that China didn't need the British. Yeah, right. Yeah. They didn't need anything from the British. They were like, oh, what do you want? Give us the silver. That's all we want. Hmm. Right? And the Qing dynasty, and even upwards, the Ming dynasty through to the Qing dynasty, China was just collecting silver. Right? They would even collect chests of silver from Korea. So that was what they wanted. That's all they wanted. Well, if I believe if UK were able to well, well fulfill the supplies by Ceylon or other well foreign territories, then they might have not triggered the open wars. But well, they did because they could not do the they could not have enough well teas from it, and yeah, we had war. So. The point is that this is just just the well mechanism of capitalism because if they they need something then they have to get it un, unless we want we don't want some inflations or those well extraordinary prices we have and well I believe that Europeans especially UK the British were quite addicted to teas and they had no choice but to well have teas giving their silvers and they seemed it unfair because they could not really well get back those silvers by well selling their merchandises and yeah oh, I mean this is also in in Malus too yeah so so that's the UK's traditional well balance making attitude I think that you British were not well. Well, we're not amused on those situations that they had to re- 100% depend on those Chinese attitudes. And although they had well stronger military than China, they could not really have well the rights to fight against China. And till then, they had to be well depending on. But after all, they will United Kingdom and also those European countries could actually do something on Asia. Mm. When it comes to the movement of opium, though, <clears throat> so one of the things we're interested in right now is trying to find out who's to blame and if if there is, right? So Jinno has already said it's it's not necessarily a blame factor, right? But there are certain points that stand out above other elements, which are clearly a questionable decision and questionable action, right? So what kind of decisions that you guys have read about what did you find were, were questionably done by either the Manchu Qing dynasty or the British? What were what you consider to be unfair or unreasonable? Um, the the opium confiscation of Lin Zixu, like right after they in in the Canton port after the opium was uh, in, came, like the their response was kind of a bit too drastic. Like he started out and the fire and burning it all down. I, I wonder what, what made them to um, cause such action. Um, actually, 
I, I kind of have answers to that because I lived in Shanghai, right, for like six years. And I've been to those kind of like history heritage in Shanghai. And of course, I, I, I've sold an like opium room where people used to be like the opium. And I can famous picture that the whole camper, chamber of the opium, yeah, right? Yeah. That, that, was, that really exists? It was like yeah. really terrible. Like all, I don't know, it was like to be more, it was a model version yeah. or it was a real version. I don't know, but looking at that, it looked quite severe. And they said that people spend would spend a day on there just smoking, smoking opium. It's, it's considered that it turns you into a zombie, basically. Yeah. You lose all your energy. You lose all desires, right? And that obviously shifts values in a whole community, right? Yeah, when I will read about those, well, opium addiction, uh, like about half of well, soldiers were addicted to these opiums, and even those commanders were about thirty percent of commanders were also addicted. And well, it's only mil about the military, but if you think of civilians using opium, then yeah, it would be much more than the half. So yeah, the the opium addiction was a um, very catastrophic, the catastrophic, and also I think. This made Chinese government to will actually will do some make some actions which are quite radical or drastic because well if they could not really just solve this problem then they just have to will leave all production just play alone and that's just well the start of well failure of country. Me, what a question because we these days we still have kind of drugs and they're just as severe as the drugs before although it might be like it might not be able to see in, like from the outside mm -hmm. easily but but when looking at the consequence like people would still turn to zombies doing drugs like like why why did china react so differently to like this days like why do they i think that's like the the idea of confucianism they got like mm -hmm. i think opium specifically targeted their their idea of you know, showing the difference to its emperors and parents and such like by doing opium i think their ideas are felt that they have fallen into them. maybe maybe that's what triggered them the most I also believe that in well, in perspective of the natural defense, the op opium is opium addiction spreading is also will. I think I think if I were China, then I could will consider this as an attack of UK because will this just stop the Chinese economy and production to will actually move or do something else? But and also I think this is also a reason that it the opium wars itself should be blamed to well, British first. Because, well, I I also think that this just made an a social disorder to China, and this I think this is also in propaganda. I think this is kind of similar to propaganda to other countries, and if they are well strongly influenced by those effects, which the government itself does not want, or it's just opposing to the country, then I think it's 
it is reasonable for, reasonable for Chinese government to actually well restrict those opium trades, like what like the Lindsay issue, right? Yeah, Lindsay. Like he did it. I th I think the restrictions were quite reasonable in in perspectives of well China and UK. I think it is also kind of attacked because well, for example, in modern state, modern times, like I heard the news. That Mexican governments were also well having having difficulty in well taking those those drugs which were well trending throughout Mexico by its name of um, Chinese women I think and because because in this time this modern days they think those drugs are also considered as an attack to country then what in this in our perspective then I also think that we can think that this opium trade is kind of attack of UK against China. There's many ways to attack a nation. Um, you can attack being used loosely here, but um, <clears throat> if you convert their dogma, their, their way of thinking, right? So by way of introducing religion, religious scripture, which happened in China as well, uh, around the time that we're talking about, there were Protestant missionaries that were spreading Christianity through pamphlets, and this was coming from the same ports, right? So not only do we have opium coming into China, we have religion that's coming in and challenging Confucianism. Mm -hmm. um, something I want to bring up later is the is actually the Taiping Rebellion, which that's happens cool. during the Second Opium War, yeah. um, which uh, we'll get to that later. But... That is, yes, one of the ways to take over a nation is change the way they think, change the way they look at things, and change the way they work. Um, and so it could be seen as an attack, but to take it, again, comparing to the modern times, you're talking about Mexico and drugs and the war on drugs there, decriminalizing drugs, making it legal, has also been seen to actually decrease the excessive use because people then don't do it secretly they yeah. don't get hurt from it they're quicker to talk to the government about it and be like i need help we're talking about a substance opium which drains your energy makes you into a zombie and suddenly china was like nope no more what about the people who already needed it right and there's there's that responsibility there which at the time they probably didn't fully understand hmm. right yeah because well at that time they could not really think that this is kind of attack because well this I, I think this is also very new strategy to well attack a country using drugs no addiction and well i think that china china wanted to actually control the trade of opium because they were a lot they were taking a lot which which Chinese government could not actually control those well, amount of drugs, the opium. And maybe if, we, if they could actually control and if UK well, traders could well actually be, I mean, if they obeyed some laws and maybe they could have negotiation, but what, I, what we said before that they, the English trade, traders were not able to learn Chinese and that's the problem we can't solve that way so opium wars happen yeah <laughs> so 
Mm, I, I think this is also the world of addiction, right? The not not about only opium, but also Christianity and other well thoughts that China did not have, and especially the second one mm. is about religion too, right? Mm. So, like yeah, the the British was it the no, French mission, right? Like he got killed in China, so that was kind of like a scapegoat for. French to join the war and attack. Right. Um, okay. Second Russian. one also yeah. Yeah. about no, it's trigger is like kinda not religious because first one happened because they because China throw those opiums away, but second one happened because well, according to UK, they said that the Chinese government told well, I mean, the people just will throw their fl flag union jack on their from their well ship and that mm -hmm. was kind of aggressive to them mm -hmm. and this ship's name is arrow yeah, and this were called arrow war too mm -hmm. and this is just I, th I think this is more camouflaging because well in perspective of china it was defense defensive war and it was defense against well western idea Western well, drugs, I mean the opium. And from this perspective, I think, well, same as second one, I th same as first one, I think this is also in work of, well, Western ideology and Eastern ideology and those collision of belief and also what happens between the people who are, where people did not could actually will refuse from those things and Moreover, I can I think we can talk about those things which about those cultural mixture and how could we actually will make a better approach to will talk about those different culture and will to bring it to our societies and yeah that but this in this case the opium wars it was very radical I think because. China could not actually control, and United Kingdom also did not have control of well, their trade rules, and they had no negotiations, and they had war. Mm. In the Second War, though, it wasn't that there was no trade. Britain at the Second War, at the start of the Second War, had five extra ports plus Hong Kong. Yeah, right. It was so they had, they had no trade. Go ahead, yeah. go ahead. Like uh, about about like the five ports, I think like the ratification of the treaty of Wangsu, right like the one that was held with america and such yeah. did they russia. like russia with russia too they took Vladivostok. oh like i think after after the first opium war uh like the first chinese intention was to block foreign powers but it actually came more and more foreigners to take in the trading with china so i think that's kind of ironic at this mm. point well they tried to stop them right yeah. the but, Qin dynasty the Qin emperor they wanted to stop it but yeah. what happened was they had just been devastated embarrassed mm. right because they're like one of the things that we need to consider for who's responsible for this having happened was the first strike and what we consider to be the first strike Right, we could consider opium and the sell and trade of opium <clears throat> and the smuggling of the opium to be a first strike, but there was the the question of who hit first militaristically. Uh, China. 
That's also up to debate. Yeah, because <laughs> consider the well, throwing opium away, then the attack, then then we should say that it's kind of China's China's yeah. first punch. But well, it's, it's I think it, it's kind of well similar to the American Independence War because they throw away those teas from Boston. <laughs> that that was kind of similar. I I thought it very similar, but well, the consequences were very different, and I I think the biggest one is that the same thing same thing the common thing they had is that the strong ideology just one of the strongest ideologies just fall down like for example in this the opium war this chinese centralism just well broke down i think they had another word for sinocentric yeah sinocentric and that's why I, i think this is also an ideological fight between the between where is the center of the world and at the first opium war, the Chinese government just lost from the, the war. And because of that, I think the king, the Daoguang uh, Emperor, Emperor was very, very scared of those. Well, the center is changing and they could not use their name, which meant the center country. And I think this also terrified China. I think in terms of ideology that China had, including the Sinocentricism, like that led to uh, self-sufficiency. They they like so adamant about it. But I read this source that they their self-sufficiency wasn't really that effective effective because mm-hmm. even though they really were you know, did not want to have foreign powers or influence. Uh, in terms of like farming, they, they didn't have any uh, great tools for it, and their ineptitude kind of led to a famine and poverty. Mm-hmm. And kind of, somehow they their ideology of being self sufficient kind of triggered foreign powers to to keep, I guess, aggravated them to influence more and more. At some point, reaching to the opium smuggling, mm-hmm. maybe maybe the first cause for it could be China's ideology of being self-sufficient. Yeah, and both countries was very arrogant against their world centrism mm. because British thought they were the center of world because also they just made time itself to be well matched to their country. Yeah. And also China, yeah, also they had centrism and this collide, I think. Mm. The uh, don't forget the the British quite literally the sun never set on the British Empire. Yeah, yeah. right. Oh, yeah. As the saying goes, the the empire was so large at that point, especially after they had taken Hong Kong as well. It yes. it was kind of the middle of the world at the time. Even like when it came down to technology, China yes. was behind on technology, and when it came to yes. naval combat, the actual yes. fighting of boats, the Chinese brought in junks. <laughs> which contrary yeah. to the name are not junk ships but uh, it's, it's which is a junk large and heavy and slow versus the european base ships which are fast right it, it's you get kind of the inverse of what happens in ancient greece with the persians coming in with heavy boats and the greeks moving quickly the chinese came out of their ports with these heavy boats and the British are like, we have cannons 
And we have steamships. Mm. We don't need the wind anymore. And they have weapons too, the missile. I heard that. They Cannons, have missile, yeah. They had also their boats were just full of iron. Missiles. Oh, Cannons. Cannons. Is it firing? If I were Chinese, I think I'd just run away. <laughs> Which they did do in some cases. Yeah, they also did it. Right. The in some cases the, the, the Chinese forces were very quick to surrender. Right. Not all cases, not all cases, because some of them had the doctrine that we had to fight until the end because the emperor commanded it. Right. Mm -hmm. But uh, as reputation built up, yeah, there there were places that just folded. The, well, the war itself, yeah, I think there were, there were no chance to, well, China actually could resist against UK because English... Uh, British will Navy were also will in their full power because they thought that the China would also just stay strong and they didn't. And that's why at the first opium war they had a lot of boats and they just did whatever they could to will take those Chinese will government to actually sign on those the treaties. And after that, I think the second opium war show how how did well Western countries think how did how did it change the Western countries think about Eastern countries because they will actually reduce those army when the, when the Second War actually happened even though they had French armies they did not really became larger but they just well actually just became smaller than the first one and from that we can just think that European countries started to well in their in those, their mind. They even overwhelm on everything they had. And yeah, I think this, this also just led other European countries to actually see East Asia as a also another colonial chance. There's something you said there. You, you said that Britain came with their full force. They, they didn't. They brought a small force from India to support the force that they had there already. They even called it the Eastern Expedition Force. It wasn't even like the naval fleet of awesomeness and destruction. It was the Eastern Expedition. It was just like a trip, right? The There wasn't a lot of our, like, there were thousands of soldiers present, but Britain could have used the whole world's worth of power there. They didn't. Um, when it comes to China's response, though, why do you think that China struggled with responding in full? Well, first of all, they were very close, like, and I think that made kind of they're not big used to the border world and how the world is evolving, changing. So maybe they didn't they did not know how to react, and they probably didn't know like how strong they were. As like China has been always the strongest historically, so they're pretty arrogant, I guess. Mm -hmm. So not 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 wanting to change because they think they're strong already. So how much do you guys know about the Qing Dynasty? Qing Dynasty well, came from the uh, Manchu people, and. They they also had a mysterious death of kings, right? Like, yeah. So 
they're, they're not traditionally yeah. the Han Chinese. They are kind of foreigners to uh, Han Chinese. Yeah. And, and the, the, structure, the structure was kind of weird too, because all, despite they did not have the majority of population, they were just at the top of the, well, the position. And I, I think this is also weird too. It's, it's not original. It's not normal. Yeah. And also, I think they had they did they did have an interaction with a foreign power with trading, right? Uh, is that a different one? One more time, say that one more time. Like, had had a interaction with foreign trading. They did have foreign trade, but that but, didn't come really well, right? No, it, it part of the so this is a process or a, a procedure called isolationism. Right. It's to isolate yourself. It's to keep outsiders away. Right. Oh. And and other countries have done it very successfully. Japan did it for hundreds of years. And they did it very successfully. Right. It's there's a there's a bit of things happening in, in China under the, the rule of the Manchus because you have to consider how they treated their own people. Right. Have you studied the the treatment of the Han Chinese? I uh, no, not I that just far. Just a bit. I heard All right. that. So when the, yeah. when the Manchus came into power, they very quickly erased the Han identity by even visually cutting their hair. They used to have what's a really long braid called a queue, yeah. and they cut yeah. it. Right, and you had to report it and cut the queue off, and and that was it and that was that was a han chinese like physical identity and they, they very quickly tried to erase all of that mm. and tried to erase this kind of structure and society so when i asked part of the reason why i asked was why do you think china had such a had such trouble responding was uh kind of leading into that if you guys had learned about it because like where is the government at the northern part of China, Beijing. Yeah. How how would that play into response rate? They made it like a forbidden city. Like they called it as forbidden tree, isolating themselves from people. Their own people. Their own people, right? Right. So how what, how could they respond to the British? Based on their own, I guess, neglecting their people's. Um, their citizens. The Beijing also had to be more conservative to well yeah. actually maintain their society because right. before then they just kept their well isolation and because of the opium, then they had to actually trade unless they should, unless they would well take those opiums and mm. use them. And if they just will bring those opiums, then they had to will bring another things from Western influences and. That is not, uh, I think this is very contradicting from the, their idea of being isolated. And yeah, I, I think they, I think Beijing was also, also well, scared of those change of society and they, maybe those overwhelming pro population of Han Chinese. And to make, to make the rebellion from Han Chinese to not happen, I think they had to well stop those Western influences, especially I think this is the problem because they actually had this 
kind of conflict after Napoleonic, Napoleonic Wars because oh. this also had this also included those free idea of well saying themselves and if they could actually well understand this ideology then Chinese will never just state as that I think I think to them I think the, to those Manchu people they were very terrified of those well choices which Han Chinese might have made. And I think I think we should get back to the blaming question, right? Yeah. Then let's consider about let's consider about who was the well, biggest winner of this opium wars itself. British and really? Western yeah. powers. Mm. I, I thought it was Russia. Russia. Because Russia and America and France did very little, but they got a lot. Um, yeah, they got a lot, and that, especially to Russia because they gained the harbor which they wanted, and that's a lot of us talk. But but I think UK lost a lot because they could not really make the opium itself legal on the Chinese territory, but they only gained some of the harbors, and and those harbors itself themselves were kind of well conflicting because other countries also take those harbors, and because of that, I think UK kind of lost a lot compared to other countries like France and especially Russia, I mean, and also also USA too. But didn't they like get dollars from the treaties? Like, Russia? No, Britain, like I remember. Six yeah, of course they got of course they got those, but I, I think it was not enough for Britain too. And and also also speaking of U US, I think United States also gain some power because they they I think the opium war itself allowed the United States to actually think about Pacific lands because they had to trade with China to gain those advances and because of that I think you United States were also well trying to enforce the western part of their lands and this also changed a lot in our well world history. Mm. But so, just after this, it's it's just towards the end of the uh, the Opium Wars as well that even the United States opens trade with Japan. It's the first open trade with Japan in two hundred years, right? So like, this is getting China and Japan. That's a huge and, win yes. for the United States, despite yes. Japan being outside of the Opium Wars. Just coincidentally, that that is a big win for them. Just locally. Hmm. It's it's certainly China didn't win. Yeah, right. of course, certainly China lost. China lost, and I think East Asia itself just 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 get under those the influence of well Western imperialists because yeah, of course, China had to open the harbors, and also Japan and North Korea. I think East, East North Asia it's herself is just well becoming a colony or colony playground for Western countries. Well, but Japan took them, but, and yeah, open war was big. It's a, it, a, the, the balance of power, no, no, the access of power just went straight to the Western part, Western countries. Did they, did they have a problem of using this room? No. no. 
Okay. We can trim these things, by the way. When something like that happens, the StreamYard has the ability to trim that. So in the future, if that happens, we can absolutely be like, oh, hold on. And then we can go fix it up later. So I'm just yeah. taking note, three, 353. Uh, sorry, yeah. not 353, 30, 33 minutes in. And uh, yeah, we can trim 33 to 36. That's not a problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. We have no problem. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's OK. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Um, the where was I? Uh, I I do want to talk about like I know we're talking about blaming, but like part of the things that we need to consider is like why China lost, right? Yeah. It's mm -hmm. they faced a lot of tough situations, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that there was a foreign capital held, right? We're dealing with not only Manchu rulers, but Beijing is an isolated, geographically remote location. Because what I consider where all the harbors are, all the trade harbors are where? Here in this just south. More of a southern part of it. Canton, yeah. especially. Yeah. Yeah, Canton. And then a lot of the missionaries got in, uh, entry into China in uh, Guangzhou. Yeah. In right. Guangdong province, right? And that's where in 1850, six years before the Second Opium War, we get the Taiping Rebellion showing up. Mm. Right? Which was a christian fueled rebellion now disclaimer that it's not christianity creating it it was that there was a scorned failed exam student who was reading a christian pamphlet and was like i am the son of god I am <laughs> Jesus," and he starts a rebellion quite literally right and uh he starts a rebellion which which by 1860 the uh the 1860 yeah it's the last year of the second opium war they actually have so many people in the taiping rebellion they besiege shanghai <laughs> right so part of the reason why didn't the chinese put up a bigger fight against the british they kind of couldn't <laughs> yeah right the ineffective was just big and also i i think i should well mention the opium itself again because opium made those soldiers not to want to work actually, and they could not really fight against in their full power. And also because of inner issues, but also because our our factors, China then China was not well okay at that point. It already hurt and already well. It, it, I think it's kind of similar to the situation of the Ottoman Empire. I think we should talk about this very very later. Yeah. But yeah, China was sick and. British was strong, mm. and European countries were hungry. That's a that's an interesting analog there. The the sick man of Asia, to borrow the sick man of yeah. Europe. That's that's a uh, an interesting analog. Yeah. We can put it in our, our podcast title. <laughs> <laughs> the sick man of Asia. Yeah. Got to be careful with that. That's slander. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of mails from China and. I and even I can't read Chinese, and I'm gonna feel very weird. <laughs> well, I'm kind of going off with this, the Opium War, but like Japan, they also kind of got similar things with the USA. But eventually, they grew up as the as one of the one of the empires in the world, whereas on the other hand, like whereas. 
Korea and China, like, they couldn't. They, they couldn't. They were colonies of Japan. What 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 could be the difference between succession from accepting foreign influence and rejecting it? Mm. But yeah. like, didn't Japan also reject it first? Yeah, and then they accepted it. Yeah, from the Meiji. Did they like, voluntarily? Meiji restoration. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, they didn't I, fully I, accept it. That's a complicated. That's a topic in and of itself. The Meiji Restoration and the Meiji period. That's that's a topic of itself because it wasn't just a full acceptance. There was a war. <laughs> yeah, there was a war, and I, it's also a fascinating talk. Let's put it at the list. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Evolution. But the, yeah. but there is something worth noting. There is that Japan embraced technology. Mm. Right. Very quickly, Japan embraced modern technology and militarized it right it would take china a long time to do that would the like geographic factor of you know previously said that beijing being isolated could that be part of the reason why that china couldn't necessarily develop from the well china did have some well actions to well actually well a lot of those Western technologies, like Yang Mu movement, right? Um, this all just failed. Uh, I think this is very different from another examples because, yeah, Beijing was forbidden, and even though the Beijing could embrace those technologies, others could not because it's just closed from the geographically also. But in contrast of Japan, they they just put their technologies everywhere they could. And I think that's kind of different too. And also this is, I think this is also the problem that China had vast, vast territory. And even though they had the technology, I think they would have a lot of time to take, to actually spread their technology to their role everyday life. And I think this is also the biggest world difference between China and Japan too. Mm. Well, there's there's political interest in taking Japan as an ally as opposed to taking it for its resources, right? Europeans can use Japan and station in Japan to watch that whole coast of the entire continent, right? But in China, there wasn't much need for that at the time, right? There was more need for the resources, in particular the silver, yeah, right. right? But moving inland through Manchuria. Like that doesn't happen until 1903 with the Chinese Eastern Railroad. That's like a full 40 years later. Right? The the interests aren't there now. Now the question was like you asked like, could Beijing's remote location have have had to do with some of the outcome? Yeah. I think yes. Yeah. I think yes. Right. Yeah. You have a centralized, isolated capital neglecting all the people outside they're going to look for any way to find security money and comfort right and so what you see in southeast china is is a showing a, a, an arrival of rebels of bandits and pirates right they show up because the the capital is too far away to react to it if, if the Chinese capital was different, like, well, the China had, like, didn't the Qing China had the capital which is kind of south? It, they had several capitals throughout history, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, they might have used those capital cities to actually spread those technologies, but well, at first they did not, could, they could not really embrace those technologies. So, yeah, it would not happen. So, and I don't know, maybe like because Japan and Korea, like their, their capital wasn't really the center. Like they were also quite far away, but just because China is too huge, maybe that kind of made it harder for China to kind of spread things out. Well, when you're looking at it through its geographical landforms even, so like Beijing is really far north, and then you have the Huanghe and the Yangtze River, right? Those are east-westerly rivers. They're not north-south. So the transition and the movement of knowledge and information messages north-south is so much slower. Right, right. right. Especially where everything was. Like at one point in time, China's capital was in um, in Hangzhou, which would have been central east, right? Yeah, yeah. If they were there as opposed to Beijing, like, yeah, I think the response rates would have been a lot higher. And they'd be more involved. Use those rivers like U.S. did. I think mm -hmm. it, it, the situation is very different from the first from the actual reality. Mm -hmm. Ah, rivers. Why don't we talk about rivers, Matt? <laughs> Just yeah. write that on the list too. Rivers. Rivers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's so much topics to talk about, and. Should we take this permanently? Should we do this like forever until we have no topics? We can actually do it. I mean, originally August 31st is the, our last podcast, but um, if you guys want to do more, we can just extend the deadline. Yeah, just, you can do it just after school. Yeah, Yeah, after school. <laughs> Not just cast, but like. Yeah, just doing for just everything. <laughs> Thank you. Special knowledge. Yeah, special knowledge. <laughs> um, I think we have to end our podcast, Mr. Bombra, because it's like yep. 40, it's good. 40 yeah. And so our next topic will be? Uh, well, it's supposed to be talking about the uh, Ito Hirobumi's idea of seeing the Japanese war, mm. but uh, Mr. would it be okay for us to um, do the more of a Hitler and the Nazis growth, Mr. Bombra? Sure. Yeah, we got a paper two next time. <laughs> yeah, I see what you're doing. Because yeah. you're gonna you're gonna prepare for this. Yeah, because we're writing about the authoritarian state of Hitler, but yeah. Yep. Um, that's you're thinking about that for what two weeks from now? Next. Yeah, on the next Sunday, the twenty third or the thirtieth. Twenty third. Yeah, because we have paper two next. Oh, so next week. week. Okay. And then um, you guys have midterms coming up as well, eh? No, no, we don't have midterms. Or more like, oh, aren't you guys lucky? Yep, we are lucky. We are I've lucky. got midterms coming up. Okay. Um, similar to midterms because we have a lot of things to do. Yeah, yeah, you got term uh, projects and stuff. Okay, yeah, the twenty third. Yeah. So twenty third, uh, I'm gonna send you the topics, the cacao chat room. Yeah, we'll we'll pin those at the top now, eh? Yeah, I'll you know make like a notification. Yeah. Box. Yeah, yeah, you did that with the last one. I thought that was a good idea. 10 p.m. No, 10 p.m. Nine, nine, not 10 p.m. Yeah, yeah. 10 p.m. Was it was 9:45 a good time for you guys? I sent the link around. Then was that a good time? 
That, and I quote him, yeah, I yeah. think it's okay. It's that gives us a little bit more wiggle room if there was ever a problem. But um, well, if we start from 9.45, then we can actually do till 10.45 and make a one-hour podcast. Yeah, well, it, but, it just... Yeah, forty-five minutes is a good aim, good thing to aim for. But that nine forty-five period, somebody's running late, someone's feeling a little sick, whatever. It's a quick little way to fix it up, you know. I'm kind of legally will use this room till eleven, right? Right. They they count us till eleven thirty. So unless we do it till eleven thirty, then it's just it, it has no problem, right? Yep. I think we should end the recording. Yeah, yeah, it's not a problem. Uh, let's end the recording there.